In this episode, Dr. Larry Wilson and I discuss full range leadership. The full range model of leadership was developed by prominent leadership researchers Bernard Bass and Bruce Avolio in the 80s and 90s, and it's been the subject of extensive research ever since. Although Bass and Avolio's work, published in 1991, is the basis for our topic today, at times our individual opinions and interpretations are also expressed. This is the first episode in a series to cover the topic of specific leadership theories. Our conversation in this episode is focused on three leadership theories, or approaches, laissez-faire, transactional, and transformational. All right, welcome, Larry. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for inviting me. I've received some feedback recently that uh, our listeners would like to hear a little bit more about who we are, what our background is um, before we start the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about, me, about you, Dr. Wilson? Um, retired uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel, uh, military intelligence type, 28 years in uniform, uh, enlisted in the Army in 1982, retired in 2010, uh, started work on my uh, doctoral degree in 2008 and completed in 2014. So I've got a, a PhD in leadership and management from Walden University. All right. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing uh, your thoughts on this. So the topic today is full range leadership. Well, let's just uh, come out and talk. What are we going to talk about today with full range leadership? It's such a broad topic. Go ahead, get, get us started. Let's lay the foundation of where we're going to go in this conversation, what it is, any any caveats that we may need to, to make before going into this. And I think it's a great point that we bring up right from the start that leadership is one of these constructs that we deal with when it comes to the principle of equifinality. And you're familiar with the principle of equifinality, aren't you? Actually, I'm not. Sure you are. Go ahead. Fill me in, please. You just don't know that you are. The principle of equifinality is the belief that there's more than one way to arrive at a good conclusion basically more than one way to skin a cat. Leadership is like that. There's multiple ways to be effective in the influence arena when it comes to leadership. So we're not going to necessarily drill down into one theory or one approach is better than another theory or another approach because uh, there's a full range of approaches out there that someone can apply in order to be effectual as a leader. Okay. So we are going to be talking about some specific uh, leadership theories and It'll probably take some follow-on podcast episodes to cover some more of them. Um, how many leadership theories are there? Well, there's about as many leadership theories as there are people who write about it. Okay. Currently, there are about 1,500 people every day who wake up and go to work and do nothing but research leadership and, and, and how to make it effective. So uh, I think Bernard Bass said in 1990, uh, there are as many definitions of leadership as there are people who write about it. All right. Well, for today, then, we go into the down the topic of Full range leadership. Our primary source is going to be is the 1991 publication from the Bruce Aviolo and and Mr. Bass, as you mentioned, right? Yeah, Bernard Bass. And and if you had a Mount, uh, Mount Rushmore of leadership scholars, uh, Bruce Aviolo and Bernard Bass would be two of the heads on the mountain, probably along with Gary Eukel and uh, Peter Nordhaus. So their contribution to the understanding of leadership and what it is, and their theory on the different approaches toward leadership is foundational. Uh, to what we know about leadership study today. Okay. And they primarily focused on three different leadership theories, I believe, in 1991. Yeah, and I think what when when the theory came out in 1991, Aviolo and Bass articulated laissez-faire leadership, transactional leadership, and transformational leadership. And today, those remain valid approaches to leadership. However, the field has grown significantly since 1991. In the last you know 25 years, our understanding of leadership and the different theories and the different ways that leadership can be applied and be effective uh, has grown. And as a result, there are more than just those three approaches. So when we talk about full-range leadership from a theoretical perspective, we're going to talk about those three primarily. However, there are really about 10 
large theories out there that you could hang your hat on that are scholarly researched and psychometrically validated to be effective. Okay. Laissez-faire leadership, there's a trait attribute theory, skills leadership, which is kind of behaviors based, transactional, which mm-hmm. is one of your full range leadership theories, situational leadership or contingency leadership theory, path goal theory, uh, leader member exchange theory, transformational leadership, authentic leadership, and servant leadership. Okay. And to go back what you had stated earlier then, so there isn't necessarily that one is better than the other? Is that what you were saying? Absolutely not. There are multiple ways to be effective. We've got 1,500 people who research leadership every day. As you imagine, the body of knowledge around leadership is extensive and and very much in depth. There's no consensus as to a universal definition of leadership or universal definition of a leader, for that matter, and what behaviors or what things actually constitute effectual leadership. There's no consensus in that area. We could start off, again, though, just reviewing what the Army's definition of leadership is. Yeah, we certainly could. You know, ADRP 622 is our leadership manual in the Army, and it it has the common language that we use when we talk about leadership in the Army, Mm -hmm. in the profession of arms. Uh, And it also has in it the kind of the approach that the Army wants us to take as leaders towards leadership. And I think the first words of the Army's definition, it's a process, a the process of influencing others by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. But I believe you've got a slightly modified version that you like to use or a different way to frame it. Well, I think, it, you know, part of being a critical thinker is we should probably critique the things that we use on a daily basis. You can't be a critical thinker without critiquing something. I agree. Okay, so as a result, uh, the Army's definition of a leader Uh, is kind of the first piece of it. So like when we talk about the leader definition out of 622, talks about a person who, based off their assumed role or assigned responsibility, influences people to accomplish the mission. Mm -hmm. On the other side, leadership is defined as a process. Okay, so leadership is an influence process, which provides the purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. Now, there's some things we've got to draw distinctions of here because it kind of speaks to who we are as an organization. Leaders are people. Leadership is a process. Mm -hmm. Okay, leadership is not people. Leaders are people. There's no such thing as a leadership position. There's a position of a leader. There's a leader's position. Okay, leadership is a process. Processes, okay, for, for for those in the management arena who've got an MBA out there who may be listening in, processes are core internal functions that we execute to produce a product. Processes are made up of procedures, methods, and work instructions. Okay, so if we say leadership is a process, we should say, what is the product that leadership produces? Hmm. Other leaders? Could be. Could be. It could be effectual followers. Now, leadership itself is a dyad. Okay, it's a leader-follower dyad. It's a connection between two people. Okay. Okay, you can't have leaders unless you get followers. So you see it more as a relationship than... Certainly, certainly. And and I think that it's not that leadership is not a process, okay? I think it's more relationship than process, okay? And I think you can't have leadership unless you have followership. You can't have leaders unless you have followers. That implies a personal relationship must exist. Well, and to walk through the three specific leadership theories covered, starting with laissez-faire. I think it's French for hands-off, is what I hear most people describing it. I should have looked it up to be 100%. Hands-off. <laughs> exactly. And laissez-faire basically 
uh, when you read the scholarly literature, and I know that there are people who've tried to rehabilitate laissez-faire leadership over the years and make it into some sort of positive attribute. Most people call it the absence of leadership. Okay, And, and so basically I'm going to leave you alone and allow you to do what it is you want to do. Now, I've been challenged on that. I've brought that approach into our full range leadership lesson in the classroom. And recently I've had several students who have completed a Defense Acquisition University's leadership course. And they say in that course, laissez-faire, laissez-faire is framed to look a lot like mission command. Um, it's this hands off, I'm not telling you the how to do things. Uh, and I'm, I'm letting you develop by being a hands off leader. And it looks a lot like mission command, whereas perhaps maybe it's incompetence for some other reason for other than developmental purposes is an ineffective leadership style. Um, I, what are your thoughts on that and how to look at laissez-faire? What is it really? Right. And I'm just going to give you my opinion because, like I said, there are a lot of people who have different opinions on the subject. My opinion is, is that laissez-faire tends to be an absence of leadership, not hands-off leadership. I, I would suggest to you that laissez-faire leadership is, is the absence of leadership vice positive leadership that's present. In that regard, I believe that mission command as a principle is probably more management by exception than it is laissez-faire leadership. And what I mean by that is when we talk about management by exception, we talk about the intervention only in the event of a deviation from what's anticipated. Okay. Okay. So for example, under mission command, we're supposed to use mission orders and we provide someone the direction to go and do X. We based off of mission command, should allow them to do that as long as they achieve the result that we've intended in accordance with our intent. Management by exception is similar in that same regard because it says, unless you deviate or unless there's a situation or an obstacle you encounter that you can't overcome, I'm going to allow you to do that. Okay. Okay, so I think it's more management by exception, than it, which is, makes it transactional leadership. That's what I was going to say because I've always understood management by exception to fall under the, the realm of transactional leadership, which isn't what mission command philosophy is. Well, mission command philosophy, if you if you look at the parallels between mission command philosophy and kind of the tenets of mission command philosophy and what uh, manager by exception articulates, the two are very, very similar. Trusting your followers, allowing them to do as you've directed, intervening only on, in the case of a deviation, mm-hmm. giving them giving the mission without telling them how to do it. So I think that's the right parallel as opposed to laissez-faire leadership. But when we look specifically at transactional leadership, I guess I focus on the word transaction. There's a reward or a punishment in order to influence people. Is, is that Was that accurate? Yeah, sure, certainly. You know, we and, and just from a general sense, we can't have leadership unless we have power. Okay. Okay, so power usually comes in about six different forms. Power is what drives influence. If you have no power, you have no influence. Okay, power is a capability to impact someone. Influence is the force that actually does it. Okay, you with me so far on that? Okay. All right. So power comes in six different forms. Let's, let's make sure we articulate what those forms are. There's referential power. Okay, I look up to you. I want to be like you. Think in terms of uh, uh, the bare necessities on uh, Mowgli. Okay. Uh, what is that? That's... Um, Jungle Book. Yes, it is. You hoo hoo. I want to be like you hoo hoo. Uh, yes. All right, that the ape in that movie is actually articulating referential power. He wants to be like Mowgli, so he can get fire. <laughs> right. That's Man, right. Man's red flower. That's right. Right. So, given referential power, referential power is a method of influence. If I look up to you, you can influence me. Same thing with expertise. If mm-hmm. you have expertise in a certain area or a competence in a certain area that I don't have, you can influence me, especially in that area. Okay. 
Now, those tend to be what we call, in power forms, those are personal power. Okay, a person generates those based off of the attributes of the competencies that they have. Is this Talent, skills. Is this different than idealized influence? Well, idealized influence is a is part of transformational leadership. So just to kind of cover what we've done so far, so we did talk a little bit about laissez-faire, and we've stepped it up to transactional leadership now. Uh, we haven't quite gotten to transformational yet, but right, but right. but they progress in I guess in how effective they are according to the research done by. Yeah, let's let's just let's just back up. Let's back up and get the power straight first. Okay. Okay, because we've we've covered two of the forms: referential and expert. Okay, the third type of power you have is information, knowledge power. You have information I have access to, therefore you can influence me. Yes. Okay, usually we find that as information trickles down the hierarchy. Right. People higher up in the hierarchy have access to information. People lower in the hierarchy don't have. Information asymmetry is power. Certainly. Okay, and then probably the three final forms are the ones that we're most familiar with in the Army. They come from legitimate authority, positional power. Okay, you can have legitimate authority based off the fact you're higher in the hierarchy than I am. You have higher rank than I do. Mm-hmm. You can make a legitimate request of me to do something. Right. You're my boss. You know, I work for you. Therefore, you can make a legitimate request and I should do it. The structure basically drives your influence. Mm-hmm. And then we have reward power. If you do it well, I'll give you a bonus. I'll give you a promotion. Mm-hmm. And coercive power. Don't do it and I'll fire you or I'll reduce you in rank. So you've really got six different forms of power. Referential expert, informational, legitimate authority, reward power, coercive power. Any type of influence has to stem from one of those six power sources. Okay. Okay. So anytime we're going to talk about a leadership approach, and I think what we want to talk about is we don't really want to talk about leadership styles. We're not talking about Flavio's latest set of genes. Styles tend to be very trendy, very what's in vogue, what's not in vogue. Okay. What we want to talk about is an approach. Well, let's define that then. So what is the difference between a style and a and a theory? Right. A style tends to be a trendy or fashionable way of behavior or doing something. Can you give an example? Uh, sure. Sure. Like uh, a lot of people um, would say that the current style uh, for dealing with millennials is to allow them to whatever they want to wear to work in order to influence them positive. Okay. Well, that may not hold 20 years from now. So that style will go out of vogue. It's a trend. Okay. Okay. The th- I think the term that we're really after is a leadership approach, okay, as opposed to a theory. A theory begets an approach. Based off our theoretical knowledge, we adopt a perspective or a point of view or a lens or a mindset about how we're going to do something. That's an approach. The application of a leadership theory is a certain approach to influence. Okay, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about 10 influence approaches that are probably the most prominent. Laissez-faire is an approach to leadership. Okay, transactional is an approach to leadership. Transformational is an approach to leadership. And it's important that we know what an approach does for us because it drives the language that we use, the influence steps that we take, the methods we employ, and the behaviors that we're going to exhibit as a leader based off our approach. Okay, so I think that's why approach is important. And approach is driven by our motivation. Hence the reason here at, at the Army Management Staff College we do SDI. Because it tells us what the leader's motivation is. We'll talk more about the strengths deployment inventory uh, SDI probably later on in one of our other episodes. And I have scheduled some follow-on podcasts specifically devoted to the strengths deployment inventory, the SDI instrument. But um, we can make some references, though, to it now if it's applicable. And uh, we'll have to fill in some of the theory specifically. Yeah, I don't want to dig down into the research behind SDI. You know, we just completed the big research project. So I don't really want to dig down into it. 
it is important to us to understand the motivations of a leader because it dry, it tells us about their behavior. Right. Now, the, 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 the piece behind this, the approach that you adopt as a leader has to do with the way you see yourself as a leader, your leader identity. Okay, and until you understand your leader identity, you probably don't understand why you have a certain approach to leadership. So this, this whole idea of a leader identity or a leader persona is important to us as a leader. Mm-hmm. How we perceive ourselves as a leader and how others perceive us. Do they perceive us as competent? Do they perceive us as aggressive? Do they perceive us as assertive? Do they perceive us as unengaged? Okay, that perception, that persona that we have as a leader is part of our leader identity. And could there be a, um, a paradox in that, in that we, we see ourselves through our intent Others are seeing our behavior, and that's part of the SDI theory. But regardless of what our intent is, it's what others see that becomes part of our leader identity. Is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah, and we have to be aware. You know, so awareness is part of this. If we really don't have awareness of what's going on around us, we don't have a leader identity. So you got to make sure we have, we have an understanding of the awareness, our impact on others. Uh, have you ever, you ever heard somebody kind of when they're introducing themselves to you give you their credentialing? Yes. Okay. And they, what they're doing is they're articulating their persona for you mm-hmm. and they're explaining to you the way they see themselves and they're giving you evidence, the credentials as to why they see themselves that way. All right. And that's what happens. We do, we've, we've all been through army classes where we sit there and the instructor, the first thing they do is review their 201 file with you. <laughs> what they're really doing is they're articulating their persona. Okay. Okay. And they're trying to give you the credentials that validate their interpretation of their persona. Okay, and that goes back to referential power? Well, it goes back to the, the approach that we take. Okay. Our persona drives our approach. Okay, if you think about it from this perspective, we have different personas. Okay, we have a persona at work. You have one while you're here. You have a persona at home when you're home with your family of dad. You have a persona as an instructor, and you have a persona as a leader. Mm-hmm. Okay, the persona, the way you see yourself, okay, the way you view yourself helps drive the approach that you adopt. If you see yourself as somebody who's very giving toward others, you might adopt a servant leadership approach. All right? Right. If, you do, if, you, if you have a persona of, I'm going to be a winner, we're going to achieve. So performance mindset. Performance mindset. You might take a transformational approach. Okay? So it kind of depends on the persona that you have to the approach that you take towards leadership, towards the influence actions that you use. Okay. And the behaviors that you demonstrate and the language that you use. Now, to wrap up. The transactional leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we talked about management by exception. There's there's also an active and a passive component to that management by exception. Any point in elaborating on those? I, I don't think so at this point. I think what we want to do in the future is we'll probably want to compare transactional leadership against some other leadership approaches. Okay. So I think probably what we're going to do is hold off on that and we'll do it, do it in a later episode where we can really dive in depth as to what's in the transactional piece. Okay, and before we move off of transactional leadership, then let's just, uh, I guess, make the listeners clear then on what transactional leadership is. Yeah, transactional leadership is based off the idea of contractualized agreement, a contractualized dyad between leader and follower. Okay, so when we say transactional, you and I have an understanding of what it is we're going to do in our leader-follower dyad. Okay, it's contractualized. If you think in terms of DPMAP, DPMAP contractualizes performance. It contractualizes the leader-follower dyad. We're putting in writing what it is we're going to do and what we'll be rewarded for and what we'll be punished for. Okay. Okay? So I think that's the, the transactional piece of it. Think in terms of an exchange. It's a quid pro quo. Right. I'm going to give you something, the accomplishment of a task, in exchange for something you're going to give me as a leader, a reward or a punishment. Now, I know we set the caveat at the beginning of this that 
no one theory is better than the other, but come on, are there things that are better than transactional leadership approaches? It, it, it really depends. It depends on uh, the situation in which you find yourself. Okay. There may be, there may be times when transactional influence will get you a higher level of follower willingness than some other form. But I hear others argue that all you're going to get is compliance with transactional leadership and really what we want is commitment. Well, and I think about transactional leadership from that legitimate authority. Okay. Okay. Usually transactional leadership occurs with legitimate authority. Yes. The ability to reward and the ability to punish. Right. I would submit to you, you probably are never going to get anything above compliance if you revo- if you have to revert to coercion. However, I do believe that you can reward beyond compliance. Okay. Okay. Now, let's say that there's four willingness levels out there on the part of a follower. All right. There's resistance. Okay. There's compliance. There's commitment. And there's engagement. Yes. Okay. I would say to you, transactional leadership will probably get us some way to deal with resistance. And it'll probably get us to compliance. It'll pro- it could get us close to commitment. All right. But I don't think that we'll ever get engagement with it. But when you mention reward, I'm thinking, you know, time off or a some sort of money. And some might argue that's also only going to get compliance. Or in some cases, it, I guess it requires one to become reliant on external motivational factors. Did you have another? Could I could I could I pay you enough money to get you committed? What your every man has his price tag. Uh, well, y- yes, um, I think about that. But in its real application, and it might be temporary. Once things normalize, um, I might just fall right back into the compliance. I'm doing what I have to do to, to, to maintain these versus could a reward be, look, if, if this gets done, I'll let you work on whatever you want to work on. I'll let you work on the next project. That, that could be a reward that leads to engagement. These are just my thoughts. but Sure, sure. Reward, too often, a lot of times we, we tend to equate reward with monetary compensation. Mm-hmm. And a reward could be a lot of different things. Like you said, people may be motivated by different things. Depending on the level of motivation, now the trick of the leader is to figure out what it is that really motivates someone, mm-hmm. so that you achieve the highest level of willingness that you can from all your followers. Is transformational a more effective leadership approach? Well, I, I, the army would have you believe so. Okay. If we read, if we just read the army's leadership definition, where it talks about accomplishing the mission and improving the organization, the improving the organization piece of that is clearly transformational, and the transformational. In, in ADRP 622, it really speaks to transformational leadership is what we desire out okay. of an Army leader. However, comma, that may not be what someone's naturally inclined to be. They may not des- they may not be inclined to be transformational. Okay, improving the organization a lot of times means improving the people. There are other there may be other approaches to leadership out there that are better at developing people than transformational leadership. Well, let's go ahead and define transformational leadership. It's really change-centric. So if we're talking about transformational leadership, what we're looking at is to either transform people or transform the organization. And transform at the root word really means to make or create and put in a better place or make in a better state, to make over. Okay, when we say somebody's going in for a makeover, we're transforming them. Okay, so that's really what we're talking about with transformational leadership. And transformational leadership is made up of the four I's, idealized influence, intellectual stimulation, inspirational motivation, and, and individualized consideration. So when we're talking about transformational leadership, those are the four components of it that we really discuss. Let's hit the let's hit the let's hit the spectrum and let's talk about how we would array the different leadership approaches along the spectrum. Okay, please. Okay, so when we talk about leadership approaches, and we're going to talk, and we we mentioned the ten um, that we think probably have the richest scholarly history and the deepest psychometric validity behind them. 
if we were going to array them, we would probably array them along a continuum uh, based off their charisma and maturity level of the leader. Okay, so probably down on the low end, we'd probably have laissez-faire leadership. Way up at the far end, where it requires a lot of charisma and increased emotional maturity, we would probably find transformational leadership, as you talked about before, uh, authentic leadership, and probably servant leadership. Most scholars tend to agree that it takes more charisma and more maturity to use those approaches to leadership vice laissez-faire leadership. So we would probably array those 10 um, along a continuum based off the, the amount of charisma and maturity required in order to use that approach effectively. And we're going to be going a little bit deeper into those uh, tending to follow on episodes. Anything else uh, we need to cover before we uh, wrap this one up? But yeah, I, want to, I kind of want to rehash this. Let's go back to this leaders versus leadership paradigm that we have in the Army. Okay, we tend to use the term leadership to describe people. Okay, leaders are people. Leadership is a process. In my opinion, leadership is actually a relationship. But leadership described by the Army is a process. In our organization, it's not uncommon for us to hear people, hear leaders refer to people as leadership. The question is, is what causes that? Why do people who are in positions as a leader refer to themselves as leadership, as the process? Now, we're betrayed by the language that we use. Okay. Okay, I'm going to leave that, I'm going to leave that out there for you because the language that we use sometimes when we talk about something betrays our true belief and understanding of it. Yes. The I have to versus I get to. Right, right. I have to. Yeah, right. Versus I get to. It's a great, it's a great play. I mean, it's a great point. That is a great point. But really, I think it's it's indicative of this. Really, we can attribute it to one of two things. A, we really don't understand what leadership is as a process. Or B, we arrogantly believe that we are responsible for the process. The process is me. I know that there was, when I was, uh, when I taught over at CGSC, I actually had a leadership instructor on my team who said, there's a belief amongst Army officers that because I am the Army, I am leadership. And so I think that that speaks a lot of times to our understanding of what leadership actually is. It's a process that produces something. Processes produce something. Leaders are people. And, and you know, we're talking about our, our language tends to betray us in terms of what we really, really believe. ADRP 622 uses the term subordinate almost 300 times, not follower. Okay, and, and you, should, you should probably stop and think about that. Why does it do that? What is what causes that? What is the difference between a subordinate and a follower? Well, leaders have followers, right? Okay. Managers have subordinates. Okay. So there's some implications then. Well, let's talk about that real quick then. Okay. The difference between management and leadership. Sure, certainly. Leadership, when we talk about leadership, what we're talking about is an influence process that makes the organization better. Okay. And that includes the people that are in it. Now, in order for that to occur, leaders have to look externally. I have to look at the external environment, articulate vision, articulate priorities articulate uh, where we're going to accept risk, allocate resources Mm -hmm. or prioritize resources, um, and develop people. That's what we want leaders to do, focus externally and on the development of people. That's the realm of leadership. Management, on on the other hand, deals with processes, systems, procedures, structures, rules, SOPs, past practices. Mm -hmm. That's all the realm of management. Management is an impersonal functioning process. It doesn't care about people. Okay. Management cares about executing the mission. Okay. Achieving the goal. Okay. Impersonal. I'm sorry. You know, I'd love to care about you, but we have a a responsibility here to get this done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Status quo's our management tool. 
the establishment and management of status quos is a management function. Status quos, for example, if we're going through a change process, let me hit you with this. As we're going through the change process, you've seen Lewin's thaw. Yep, thaw, change, and then refreeze. Right, the changing part of that is leadership. The the refreezing piece of that is management. Okay. Okay, all the structures, processes, procedures, systems that we use is the purview of management. Okay, so it's important for us to know leaders have followers, okay, and they have a dyad. Management has, managers have subordinates. All right, there's a significant difference there. And which one does the Army value more? Well, think, look at, think about it from this perspective. If leaders have followers, what leadership theory or what leadership approach would you say that kind of articulates? If leaders have followers? If leaders have followers. Of the ones that we've discussed so far? Yeah, or, sure. Uh, Use your full range of leadership knowledge. Probably transformational, right? Because we would say if leaders have followers. I see vice subordinates. Right. If we had, now, if, we, if, I said, if I said managers have subordinates, what leadership? Okay, transactional. Transactional, certainly. So it, the terminology that we're using there to talk about the influence process kind of betrays which process we're actually using. I see. So when we read leadership doctrine, really, it seems like the overall theme is to try to achieve the mission command philosophy. However, when you... When you mention that the word subordinate is used, however, many hundreds of times, that's an implication of more of a management process. Yeah, certainly. So there's a tension that exists in our own doctrine even and in, in whether we're trying to uh, encourage management or, or, or leadership. I think let me, let me summarize it for you here real quickly because I think management is a process. I sign up for that, no problem. I think leadership is a relationship. And I think leadership is a relationship between a leader and a follower, a dyad between us, an influence dyad between us. And that influence dyad has some sort of power disparity between us. Okay. As we sit here today, there's a power disparity between you and I. Depending on the power disparity, you can influence me and I can influence you. There are times you're going to play the leader and I'm going to play the follower. Okay. All right. When the power disparity is opposite, then I'm the leader and you're the follower. Okay. Okay. Depending on the power disparity between us. Now... Just to play devil's advocate, so if your premise is that a relationship is required, and I say, hey, um, I've been influenced by people with whom I've had no relationship. In fact, they didn't even know me. Or let's say I'm even reading about a historical figure in, a, in an autobiography, and I'm influenced by this person. I don't have a relationship with Benjamin Franklin, but I'm, I'm certainly influenced by his approaches on things. He probably has referential power toward you, even though you don't know it. Okay. Even though he doesn't know it. Okay, there's a relationship. You're relating to that individual. Okay, so, there's a relationship. To, there's a relationship there. You're relating to them. Now, processes. Remember this. Now, processes can be executed without any human interaction. Mm-hmm. All right, we we go into a Ford plant right now. Watch hundreds of processes producing products. No human interaction required. Okay, and they're producing products left and right, turning out widgets, making new cars, you know, welding stuff. All kinds of different processes occurring. Leadership cannot as a process, cannot be executed without an interpersonal relationship. Okay, you can't influence me unless there's a personal relationship between us at some level. And so that's why I say to you, leadership is probably more relationship than it is process. It's an influence relationship. And what would be the benefit of somebody becoming aware of these leadership theories? Is it Do you believe that it can improve one's actually leadership ability or maybe it's to better self-assess their, their own tendencies I think it's a great question that you ask because what's the value in it mm-hmm. is really what we're, is what I think you're asking. That's exactly what I'm asking. What's the value in What's the value in knowing the different leadership approaches? And really the answer is, is, and it's really because remember we said now approach is based off our theoretical knowledge. 
I had Sergeant Major Sean Carnes from down at the pre-command course hit me with this the other day. He said, our inability to think critically in a time of crisis is driven by our lack of our lack of theoretical knowledge. And so really, in order to extend into an area, you have to have knowledge of that area. Yes. Okay. And so therefore, that's why the theoretical knowledge of, to us is important. Let's say, for example, that you've decided that you're going to be very transactional as a leader. You're going to adopt a transactional approach. And you find yourself struggling with that approach. Well, you can't really necessarily move into the arena as a transformational leader and think critically about it and take action to remedy the shortfall that you're having as a leader unless you're aware that there's another approach out there. So, and that's the value behind it. How much of it has to do with the maturity of the followers? Well, is it significant? When we start talking about the different theories, we'll get into that, okay. especially when we get to situational leadership. I think about if I was put in charge of, let's say, a basic training company, I'm, I have a pretty good idea that what I'm going to, the approach I'm going to take is going to be pretty transactional, but taking over, uh, let's say a staff, a G staff at a division, I would probably want to be much more transformational in my approach because I see this as a much more mature followership. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, certainly the, and when we get into situational leadership, we'll talk about this or contingency leadership Uh, and same thing with leader member exchange theory. The, the follower capability determines a lot about the relationship between the leader and follower. Mm-hmm. That dyad is, a lot, is dependent on both parties, not just one. We tend to look at leadership in a vacuum, but leadership is a dyad between two people or a person in an organization or a person in some, some group of people. That interaction is contingent upon both parties, okay, both the leader and the follower. And, lead, and some leadership theory, some leadership approaches say, I've got to tailor my leadership approach, my influence actions, based off the capabilities of the followers. So that whole thing of treating everyone the same goes against this uh, tailored leader action. Yeah, not only is it not only does it go against the tailored leader. Yeah, we we never treat everybody the same anyway. We like we might like to say that we do, but we don't treat everybody the same. Well, how can we achieve fairness if we? Can't treat everyone the same. Well, fairness and equality, first of all, fairness and equality cannot coexist. Inequality and justice can coexist. Equality and justice cannot coexist. Justice being defined as the giving to each what is deserved, no more, no less. Okay, so inequality and justice can coexist. The question is, what are you using for your standard of fairness? What is your fairness standard? Is it equality or is it justice? Okay, for me, it's justice. I'll take justice any day long. I'll take the inequality as long as it's just. You do more work and you get the bonus, that's justice. You do more work and we get the same amount, that's unjust. Okay, so justice and equality, justice and equality cannot coexist. Okay, justice and inequality can. Food for thought for our follow-on podcast on some of the other leadership theories and approaches we'll be covering uh, any any final thoughts in closing, Larry? No, I think when we I think when we when we talk about leadership, there's really kind of some universal um, golden rules that we probably ought to keep in mind. And for some people, you know, sometimes the golden rule is the best rule that uh, to lead others the way you want to be led is is kind of a a great golden rule to adopt. And then on the backside of that, since we're talking about leadership and followership being a dyad, or leaders and followers having a dyad relationship. We probably want to follow other people the way we want others to follow us. So if we can kind of keep those two pieces in mind, almost at every turn, we'll have an effective leader-follower relationship. 
Now, the golden rule, treat others as you'd want to be treated, but the platinum rule of treating others as they want to be treated, does that apply to leadership as well, to apply leadership, to lead others as, as they want to be led? Yeah, there's, you know, we, we talked about the principle of equifinality, you know, more than one way to skin a cat. Yep. The, the principle of reversibility, okay, is kind of the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. I'm not certain I understand what principle is behind treating others the way they want to be treated, um, because I, I don't necessarily know that that uh, we could probably do that, but it'd be tough to do. It'd be tough to do. So I think the, the I like the principle of reversibility and the principle of equifinality. More than one way to skin a cat. We can all be effectual in different ways using a, a variety of approaches uh, when it comes to influence, and, and we can all follow others the way we want to, we want those to follow other people to follow us, and we can lead them the way we want to be led. I look forward to uh, the follow-on topics. All right, man, we'll do it. Well, I think the the, the next way we'll want to walk down the, the path, I think we probably ought to rehash a little bit laissez-faire leadership, kind of take a look at some of the trait and attribute theories okay, or approaches and some of the skills or, or behavior approaches to leadership, kind of knock those three out. They tend to be the most basic, and you kind of refer back to them. We like to talk a lot about traits, and we like to talk a lot about competencies and behaviors and attributes. So I think getting that one out of the way first, cover those three, okay. and then uh, it'll lay the groundwork for transactional. And So, so far where we've been is we've covered full-range leadership, discussing uh, laissez-faire, transactional, transformational. And which then, are only three of the ten. Which are three of the ten. Next, we'll probably be going into trade and attribute theory. And then following episodes, we'll be talking some of the ones that require more charisma, the, the one, servant, authentic. Right. Ones that require a little more charisma and maturity to employ. Okay. Got it. All right. Look forward to it, Larry. All right, bud. And we welcome your feedback. Please write us at usarmy.lovenworth.tradoc.mbx.amsc-podcast at mail.mail, or you can just write us at amscpodcast at gmail.com.